0: Welcome to Trivially Crucial, where we believe every pie-show tile, flying bison, and 112-year-old child monk frozen in an iceberg is critical and important to our lives. I'm Michael, and with me today, as usual, is Mandy. Hey, Mandy. Hey! And uh, both of us are pretty excited about this week's topic, where we finally start talking about one of our favorite shows, which... I am very happy to have introduced you to, and it is uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, This week, we're going to be starting with book one, and just as a heads up to any listeners, this is going to be incredibly spoiler-filled, incredibly detailed, and if you have not yet watched the show, please go out and watch it. The DVDs are cheap, it's also available on uh, Amazon Prime, Instant Streaming, if if you have Amazon Prime, and otherwise you can purchase it on iTunes or on Amazon for regular digital purchase rather than watching it through their Prime streaming function. Um, so with all that said, we are ready to dig in. You ready, Mandy? I'm ready. All right. So now we're going to start talking about book one, Water. Um, uh, Really? the best way to start is with episode one both you and i are uh, we've mentioned before to each other that uh we we think that this intro to the the very intro to the very first episode is pretty significant so i'm gonna go ahead and let you start talking about that and i will chime in
1: water earth fire air My grandmother used to tell me stories about the old days. A time of peace. When the Avatar kept balance between the Water Tribes, Earth Kingdom, Fire Nation, and Air Nomads. But that all changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar mastered all four elements. Only he could stop the ruthless Firebenders. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years have passed, and the Fire Nation is nearing victory in the war. Two years ago, my father and the men of my tribe journeyed to the Earth Kingdom to help fight against the Fire Nation, leaving me and my brother to look after our tribe. Some people believe that the Avatar was never reborn into the Air Nomads, and that the cycle is broken. But I haven't lost hope. I still believe that somehow, the Avatar will return to save the world.
2: Awesome. So I remember watching this intro and just coming away with it, not only sucked in, but like with a million questions that I was like, this show now has to answer. It's to me, it's very unusual that a show aimed at uh, kids would leave you with so many unanswered questions. I mean, the, so the opening is narrated by our main character, Katara, um, who we haven't met yet.
0: Uh, so so <laughs> she to, doesn't to- even to make it clear, like, all we know is that there is some girl narrating.
2: Narrating. That's yes. all we know. And, and she's like, my grandmother told me, you know, about back in the days of peace and there are four nations and blah, 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 blah. So you're like, okay, so there's a war. Once upon a time, things were peaceful. Uh, there's this guy called the Avatar who for some reason has power over the four elements and he's the only one. But at this point, we don't actually know that other people have power over the elements. And... We, we know the Fire Nation attacked. Something happened to the Avatar. And then the statement that threw me for the biggest loop in her, in her whole spiel is some believe the Avatar was never reborn into the Air Nomads and the cycle is broken. And I was like, wait, what? What? The Avatar is reborn? There's a cycle? What the heck is an Air Nomad? I don't so, even know.
0: <laughs> and I think, so this is great. Uh, it clearly, you know, it is the narrator is. It's thrusting you into the state of the world, is establishing, which not a lot of stories do, or not enough stories do, and especially not a lot of stories targeted at children, which is unfortunate, it is establishing that this is a world that already has rules established, it's not going to just give them to you on the fly, like, this is a world that works in a particular way, and you're going to discover how it works, um, right, this isn't your great.
2: your standard fare, especially in middle grade and even young adult fiction, where you come into a society as the outsider, and so, like Harry Potter. Right, Harry Potter comes into his society as the outsider, and he starts out as, as a noob, and you're a noob, so you learn together. This is a scenario where you're thrown in headfirst, and you're supposed to be picking it up as you go. And for me, that was fantastic. I love the steep learning curve because I'm like, it's like a puzzle. (laughs) And, but it's not like you're even thinking about it though. Like you're just sucked in. There's
0: also, aside from that, there's just, there's the tone of the music in the background when she's talking too, which sets things as well. It's, it's, it is exactly. It's epic music. It is. It sets, it sets the expectation, whether consciously or unconsciously, and depending on how carefully you're paying attention that, this is going to have a serious story to it along with the words that she's saying this is not just a light a lighthearted show that's going to be fun there is going to be some some real real stuff is going to happen um, and that's exciting uh, yeah
2: i yeah. mean the, the the intro to me what it, it told me was this is a middle grade epic fantasy. I mean, cause there's no doubt it's middle grade because Katara is narrating it and she sounds young. I, I think I wrote that comment down. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't get over how young Katara sounds. Right. Uh, because it had been a while since I had watched it and I had watched Korra since then, which has a teenaged protagonist. So then I come back and I watch this first episode and I'm like, this is a girl, you know, this is not a teenager. Th- this is a girl narrating and it's a truly high fantasy world. Like it is not our world at all. And it's going to be an epic storyline that the world is gonna be in the balance. Yeah. And I'm a sucker for all of that, so
0: <laughs> So now that we've spent this much time talking about just the intro, uh the very, very like the narration intro, we can kinda of go to exactly where that drops us off, which is we see <laughs> we see the Katara, the girl who what we discover was the one narrating, and her brother and it, her, their relationship is immediately established. Like, there's, there's no time at all between the narration ending and things starting, and we immediately figure out how these two interact with each other. Katara's angry. She, we're immediately introduced to the fact that, oh, hey, she, without paying attention, or without meaning to, is apparently able to control water or ice or something. Right. And her brother clearly is not. Right. Because they're sitting there and, you know, he's he's talking about her, you know, about the nonsense that it is and and whatnot and calling it special water or something. And and it uh, and the, the thing that's really neat about that is, again, one of the questions that if you are someone who's paying attention and figuring out, well, OK, the avatar is the only one who has control over all four elements. Does that mean that everyone has control over some nobody has control over any, and it's special that he or she has control over everything. Like what, you know, uh, and we're like, well, okay, some people can't, some people can, and they can at least one thing. So that's one answer, one thing that's partially answered. And, it, you know, it's seen that clearly some people think it's a big deal and some people don't. Um, right.
2: And, and but whether it's a big deal or not in the real world, uh, you know, outside of their little relationship, it establishes how they view each other. Right. Right. Cause it, even if benders, as we come to learn people who manipulate, uh, you know, stuff can be called benders, you know, air benders, water benders, fire benders.
0: Uh, because the verb at play is they, they are bending the elements, which yes, h- h- hence the show's title avatar, the last airbender.
2: Yeah. Even if they were held on a pedestal, it's clear Sokka, uh, Katara's brother, does not hold her on a pedestal. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, And another thing that's established from Katara's fumbling with this magic is that there is no one in her village to teach her magic. Yeah, that's Uh, exactly it. She's the only one she knows who can do this.
0: And we don't yet know why um, at this point, but we know that that is something so that means either it's a very rare gift or there's some other reason but um i think my assumption in the beginning was that it was really rare um, which felt felt reasonable um
2: i think that might have been my assumption until uh we cut to our next set of
0: characters. Right. Precisely. (laughs) So, the next cut, which, and it's crazy how much time we're spending early on, but that's the significant thing about this show, is how much is established early on, and this is actually In
2: just this first episode.
0: And this is actually a theme that I'm going to be harping on a lot over this show, is you know, there are definitely shows that people can like more, and there are definitely even shows that live-action, cartoons, whatever, and other pieces of media that are really, really good, but there are extremely few pieces of work that I feel like are as thoroughly thought out in advance and thoroughly shown to be thought out when you re when you go over them again, because there is a lot of detail that is clearly that is given to you from early on that you just aren't aware of until you rewatch it Um, or listen to our podcast and hear us talk about the details that were there that you missed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, so yeah, the next cut is to uh, two of our favorite characters. So who do we meet, Mandy? Oh,
2: we meet Zuko and Iroh. Which
0: is your so, favorite character uh, and my favorite character.
2: <laughs> my Zuko is my favorite character, as you know, Michael. And, and uh, Iroh is my
0: favorite character. So
2: <laughs> I there I one thing before I get talking about Zuko specifically or Iroh, is I think it's interesting that our opening dynamics for this show, we meet four characters and we meet them both in a familial sense, like as a family unit, right? right? Like it's not just Katara, it's Katara and, so- and Soka as, Sokka as, or Sokka, my, I- <laughs> I'm, I'm Sokka as brother and sister. It's clearly established almost in like the first thing said between Zuko and Iroh that this is a nephew and an uncle. And, uh familial relationships like that are a big theme of middle grade fiction. Um, And it's something we can all, but we can all relate to it. You know, we all have uh, siblings. Well, (laughs) I guess we don't all have siblings. A lot of people have siblings. A lot of people have uncles. Uh, And even if you don't have a sibling or an uncle, you have someone that you have that kind of relationship with. right? Uh, And so it totally sets the tone for this show. Um, But specifically about Zuko and Iroh, the thing that's stuck out to me is, one, it's very clear these are our bad guys. Uh, they, they are our contrast to Katara and uh, Sokka. And, I mean, we've already been told the Fire Nation is bad. And it's clear very early this is, this is the Fire Nation. Um, and what's also interesting uh, just about Zuko and Iroh, in that first scene, I came away from it with Zuko is obsessed and Iroh doesn't care about the mission at all
0: right and and in fact there's this excellent excellent scene really early on which establishes both of their characters really well and where zuko is obviously agitated and obsessed and hiro is offers him some calming jasmine tea please sit
1: why don't you enjoy a cup of calming jasmine tea i don't need any calming tea i need to capture the avatar I wrote this down, too. <laughs> yeah.
0: He says, have some calming jasmine tea. And Zuko responds, I don't need calming. And then, uh, calming tea. And, you know, and he's yelling in his I don't need calming tea objection. That's
2: a, I, I wrote my what I wrote down was, I don't need any calming tea. And Zuko describes himself in a nutshell.
0: That's exactly <laughs> it. That, that, that describes both of them, really, is Uncle Iroh clearly cares about Zuko and is, you know, and is like, Clearly, this kid is taking this mission way Way more personally and seriously than he should. And and Iroh just wants him to calm down. (laughs) Um,
2: And it becomes very clear throughout this episode uh, that the uncle, Iroh, doesn't believe the Avatar is even real anymore. Uh, you know, they're never going to find him. And so he has accepted this is a completely wild goose chase, which you don't fully understand why Zuko is on other than his father has you – know, I, I think it is said in this first episode that Zuko has been banished and he cannot come back without the Avatar. Um and he's trying to succeed as something else everyone else in his family and in his nation has failed at. And it's clear nobody expects him to succeed except him because uh, yeah. he's a delusional 16-year-old. Uh, but also because it's the only option. What, what else is he going to do? Bend over and die? You know, like – yeah, this is his only option, so, and it's it's something he can't su- succeed at.
0: Exactly, but we need to we need to push forward because we are we've barely even touched this episode, and we have a whole book to cover. I um, know. <laughs> so uh, so the next scene, it's immediately, and this sets the tone for how the entire show goes. There are extremely quick cuts without it ever fearing jarring, um, which is a great way of maintaining the attention of young viewers while also having everything concrete everything really that happens seems to be significant. Um, so we very quickly cut back to where we had seen Katara in her anger in the, before the cut, we had seen her basically cause this, this, uh, iceberg to surface. And then they go and they see that when they cut back, we see that there's a, a frozen boy inside and they start to try and cut him out. Then stuff happens. Um, and you know, and, we see this boy come out of the thing and wake up. Um, and the way that he's introduced is pretty hilarious, actually. He uh, he introduces himself, and then he goes and introduces this large animal thing and says, this is my flying bison. And we're immediately introduced to some of Sokka's humor. Do you remember what he said there? No, I don't. You know, he's like, this is Katara, my flying sister. And <laughs> it's just... And, and it's kind of a... This is a thing that Sokka is actually very frequently used is we have a lot of incredulity at stuff that is introduced in the show. We don't know what stuff is normal for their world and what stuff is weird. And he kind of is our barometer for what stuff is weird for all of them um, rather than just for us, the viewers. We, the viewers, whatever the correct grammatical term is there. And uh, and he just doesn't believe that the bison can fly. And for whatever reason, he actually can't right then. Um, which is yeah. kind of hilarious.
2: It's funny the uh, the first quote I wrote down for Aang, because I felt like at this point in his journey, this describes him completely. Is uh, "Will you go penguin sledding with yep.
0: me?" And you're like <laughs> penguins, <laughs> penguin sledding, and then you know, little little did we know, nearly all the animals are weird. I and mean, yes,
2: thing. and and what's interesting though about the introduction to Aang is. I mean, I knew as soon as we met him, he was the Avatar. I didn't know what that meant. Right. <laughs> I, I didn't know, you know, exactly what made the Avatar special or why he was stuck in ice or whatever. But I was like, Wh- whatever this show is about, it's about him, <laughs> clearly.
0: Right. I mean, the uh, title I, is Avatar, The Last Airbender. And, you know.
2: Right. And he's clearly an airbender. And, you know, he's probably the Avatar because he's all got some special. His forehead lights up. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, but then you get introduced to him as actually a person. And he's so immature. He's just a little um, kid.
0: He's a he's really... just a
2: little kid. Yeah, and he's so carefree. And what's interesting is on the rewatch, it hurt me that he was so carefree. Like, but then again, you know... you,
0: re- you remember he's twelve years old. Like, right, man. You
2: you he is twelve years old. But on the rewatch, I was also like, he's running like. You know, and that that's what this is.
0: And we, we will right get to that later. We're definitely yeah. going to come back to that in a later episode. Um, but I
2: just wanted to, yeah, it, it was just, it was tough on me. Yes. Um.
3: So, and uh, then I love,
2: they, yep. uh, oh, I had two questions about Aang at the North Pole in general. One, isn't he cold?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder about that. But, you know, they stick, to, for the first book, uh, they do stick to the cartoon trope of people just wear the same clothes every day. Um, and in all situations, like... um, I was very happy when they started bucking that trend and changing things. And I think a large part of that is actually animation costs. Um, animation I, costs yeah. go down a lot if you don't have to change costumes for people. And the show yeah. was unproven. And in fact, and this is just a little tidbit, they had no idea if the show was going to get past the first, uh, I believe it was six episodes, which is why you'll notice that the show really picks up at that point, um, because it, it got pretty much immediate success. And so Nickelodeon started kind of saying, telling the guys, OK, yeah, you can do what you want. And so they started getting the more serious themes in there as quickly as they could, um, which is pretty cool.
2: Yeah. My uh, other thing that I wrote down was when they take him to uh, the village and someone says, I sense he's filled with much wisdom about Aang. And mm. I literally laughed out loud.
0: I, I did too, actually. <laughs> um, but anyway, so one of the other things that I really liked about this is Aang it clearly thinks guitar is pretty. Um, there's yes. a fun little exchange there. Why are you
2: there. staring at me like that?
0: <laughs> it's, I think it's, why are you smiling at me? And he's like, oh, was I smiling? so that's really fun and of course establishes hey you're watching a kids show this is going to be a thing and uh and i like that because it's cute um yeah another thing when we're Um, introduced to the south pole uh or the southern water tribe we find that there's almost nobody there which is just something to kind of file away is that hey there's this is like empty there's no one here um which is definitely an interesting thing because we don't know much about how the rest of the world is but we do at least know that there are huge warships that you yeah. know Iroh and Zuko are on and then there's this tiny tribe in the middle of you know in the su- near the South Pole um, which is interesting Yeah. Um,
2: going back to Zuko and Iro real quick because you know the show does bounce back between them so my notes are kind of don't necessarily make sense in order of our topics of conversation Right. but uh <laughs> One of the things that uh, got to me about Zuko and Iroh and one of the reasons why I think I liked Zuko so early on um, is the entire Zuko-Iroh relationship struck me as Luke and Yoda on Dagobah. <laughs> yes, that's uh, exactly <laughs> it. And um, I, I am a huge Star Wars fan, as you know. Uh, right. You know, Star Wars is my number one fandom. So w- what I see is Iroh trying – he kind of seems ridiculous – but so does Yoda. Uh, he has wisdom, uh, but it's kind of couched in ridiculousness. Um, and Zuko just wants to learn to, like, hit things.
0: Right. And, well, and that's there's exactly actually, what Luke is like. There is actually a line the next time like, we see them where Zuko <laughs> orders Iroh to teach him advanced advanced techniques. And then, of course, Iroh gives an amazing response. Um, you, he says, uh, okay, but first I must finish my roast duck. Which is, again, just establishing over and over again. Zuko is really impatient, wants to learn stuff, but he doesn't really want to learn. He wants to—he just wants to get things done, wants to accomplish the mission, and wants to do it in the most straightforward, violent manner possible, because that is the—those are the values that he has been imbued with. And Iroh is pretty chill.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And then the other thing uh, is, you know— In this episode, we see three types of bending. Uh, You know, we see water bending, as done by Katara, which isn't very powerful because she doesn't know a lot. Um, And we see uh, Aang's uh, air bending, which uh, seems interesting, but, you know, we don't know a lot about it at this point. And then we see fire bending, which is just so flashy. And you have Iroh. Giving us the philosophy of bending. So this is the first time where we really understand that the bending is actually related to the martial arts movements, and it's an it's not a will in the word kind of magic system. Not to pick on the Belgariad, but um, this is the, you can't just make magic. You know you you have to you have to master these movements and motions to channel the magic. And this is and something, I think that's interesting.
0: It's something because. Katara clearly is inexperienced at waterbending. Like we know right. she can do it, but not really and and Ang is he kind of looks like a like a grasshopper. Like he just kind of bounces around. Um yes. but it's the Fire Nation scenes where we see Zuko, you know, where we see the firebenders and that's where we learn the physicality involved and we actually get a hint into what is an amazing theme one of my favorite things about this entire show which is the how completely different styles of movement and martial arts translate to each style of bending. Um, yes. and that is our first, you know, our first look into that is the firebenders. Um, another thing about this scene too, is, you know, we've, we've seen several times where Zuko is kind of hyped up on things and Iroh is relaxed, but Iroh does lose his cool once in the first episode. And we see what that's about. And he actually yells at Zuko that he says he's not going to find the, the avatar. And, you know, we learn that because other firebenders have failed, and as far as they know, he's not there. And the only time he loses cool loses his cool is when he is concerned about Zuko's well-being, and he's, like, frustrated with Zuko, because Zuko's not looking out for himself in the ways that he should be. Um, yes. And that's and really, really intrinsic to Iroh's character, because the whole series long, he's pretty cool, except for when it comes to the well-being of others he cares about. And it's not frustration the way that, you know, people get angry when someone they like is, or someone they care for is hurt. He's angry when people aren't learning. Like, it's their own fault that they're getting hurt, essentially. Yeah. Um, because he wants to share his wisdom, and he tries to do that, jo- you know, nonchalantly, but he's desperate to actually help get that that wisdom to help others. Um. So...
2: Indeed. So skipping ahead a little bit to the end of this episode, Mm -hmm. I, you know, for the most part in this episode, we get this version of Aang that he's just like a cute bouncy grasshopper, just like you said. And you're like, Oh, Aang, he's so cute. We don't know what he's about, but he's adorable. Uh, and then we get to this end of this episode where they go to explore this fire nation ship and Katara is like, we shouldn't do this. This is a bad idea. Um, and this is where we get a side of Aang that added a little bit of interesting depth to him, which is Aang the manipulator. Because uh, he completely manipulates Katara throughout know, this entire scene into doing what he wants. Mm-hmm. And you know, he says things like, If you want to be a bender, you have to let go of fear. And that might be good advice, but the way he win and the way he says it is to make Katara go against her judgment to do uh, what he wants. Right. And Aang is reckless and headstrong in the scene, doesn't listen to the wiser, more cautious Katara, and because of that, gets not just them in trouble, but everyone left in
0: the Southern Water Tribe. And a very, very important um, thing to take with this, too, is this is the starting state of their relationship, which you can assume from the fact that Katara narrates the introduction, and Aang is clearly the main character, that they're going to be together for longer than this episode. Um, yes. and, and it, the beginning of the relationship is essentially, and getting Katara into trouble and her not trusting herself because she's essentially in awe of the fact that, Hey, there's this bend, this other bender. I finally met one and kind of just goes along with what he says, despite her, uh, despite her thoughts. Uh, and that's, it's a really good starting point for her to, to recognize. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
0: so yes, in, in the, the end state of the episode, is essentially, they go check out this Fire Nation ship that they're not supposed to touch, and specifically it is said that it could be booby-trapped. And then Aang sets off the booby-trap. And that, uh... (laughs) And then, uh, they they ended up getting, um... Getting the Fire Nation led to their their village, and that's kind of a big deal. Uh, Which brings us to the next episode. Um, And just to step back just a moment, I did skip mentioning the episode title for episode one, which was The Boy in the Iceberg. And the main reason I mention this is because the episode title comes up before an episode starts each time and kind of gives you something to look for. Uh, So The Boy in the Iceberg, clearly, you know, that was fairly obvious how significant that was in the first episode. So going to episode two, uh, it is titled The Avatar Returns, which... Uh yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's fairly obvious how that's going to play out. Um, as far as we're aware of, the fact that the avatar has already returned, but the world isn't yet. Um, so yes, I like you know.
2: to uh, retitle this episode: "Aang's mistakes come back to bite him." <laughs> but,
0: but that happens so much in the show.
2: Uh, it does. It's it's a common theme of the show. Right. Um, what's interesting about this sh- this episode for me, um, is to me. In the first episode, we kind of got a hint of who uh, Sokka was. Uh, In this episode, we really understand his role uh, in his village, not just with Katara. Uh, And that, I mean, his role is he is the only man. And he's 15. Yeah. (laughs) And, And he is, I mean, this village is full of women. Uh, and him and Katara are by far the oldest children and everyone is essentially looking to him for guidance and protection which I thought was interesting because it's it is Sokka who says Aang has to go and none of the women fight him on it. They're like Sokka says you have to go you have to go. (laughs) I think if Sokka had said something crazy they probably would have
0: certainly reeled him back. But but he was I mean also (laughs) Honestly, when it comes down to it, you know, that's the right, the right call to protect the villa. Like he's making the tough call. You know, Um, it's not like he's heartless or anything. Um,
2: No, I mean, it's very clear in this episode that Sokka is a leader. Um, He's a fledgling leader. I mean, it's obvious he's fifteen. It's clear that he wants
0: to be a leader. He right, I mean, his
2: preparation. Oh my goodness! the The whole scene that's his preparation for battle, juxtaposed with Zuko's preparation for battle. I mean, there's no doubt Zuko is going to win this battle just right. from the preparation scenes alone, because it, it's essentially a dynamic of you know better tech against one kid. <laughs>
0: well, better tech <laughs> and, and kind of an army. And well, and an army. And Zuko clearly, we we already know from the first episode, clearly he takes this fighting thing seriously and has had people show him how to do it. Um, and right. for whatever reason I, you know.
2: I never doubt in the scene that that Sokka is just as serious as Zuko. It's just Sokka hasn't been taught like
0: Zuko has, right? And uh, the interesting thing is, so what I actually have written down for this is Zuko manhandles Sokka, and it's oh, just not it's even. So true. It's it's <laughs> not even. It might as well not be a you know. It's not a fight. It, it is quite like you know if you have a. A four-year-old start, you know, running at an eighteen-year-old to pick a fight, and the eighteen-year-old just kind of sits there and like smiles, holding his arm out on the little kid's head. You know, that's essentially what this fight is. Um, and so it's, yeah. go ahead.
2: So, so what I what I wrote down about this fight because I feel like this fight is, you know, not only does it further the juxtaposition between Zuko and Sokka, uh, but it tells you so much more about their characters. Uh, You're right. Zuko is clearly the superior warrior. Clearly. He outclasses Sokka completely. But then Sokka's boomerang comes back and hits him in the head, Uh, which, granted, wasn't going to make Sokka win, but, you know, sometimes in battle, that's all you need. And to me, what I wrote down was, um, this tells me... Zuko doesn't always think things all the way through. And Sokka always has an unexpected surprise up his sleeve. And, you know, Zuko is a superior warrior, but his lack of thinking things through to the entire way, his o- he only focuses on the now. Yeah. Um, whereas Sokka, a lot of times he does just get lucky, but a lot of times he does have, he is thinking two steps ahead. You know, the boomerang is the weapon of someone who thinks two steps ahead.
0: Well, so there, there is, and that's definitely a thing. But because we're going to get to a scene where that's significant in a second, um, one thing though is also when Zuko and Aang meet, and Zuko's comment to Aang is "You're just a child," and yes. Aang's comment to Zuko is "You're just a teenager," and that's something. It's like, yeah, and my
2: response is touche. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. I mean, and that's it, it's really it, it's a thing that puts things into perspective. That you know, a lot of the time in media for younger children, like, kids watching it think teenagers are a big deal, but I like that they threw in, you're just a teenager, because Aang has been around really old people, Um, and he recognizes, like, well, you're just a teenager, you're not a big shot either, like, it, who cares? Like, you, you know, you're, you've clearly, you're young, and you've got some, you think of yourself seriously, so, there's that. Um But, uh, as you said, Sokka does you know, get Aang to leave with Zuko to protect a village. And this is actually something that, you know, Sokka actually preps the, is it a canoe that he preps? Um, Yeah. And he preps that before Katara even begins to chew him out, right? Like he shows that he's, Mm -hmm. he's aware of what's going on and he kind of shows his competence, but you know, he recognized that Aang had to go. Um, Yeah.
2: I mean, he had to protect the village. This is a village of old women and children. You, You can't have Zuko and Aang fighting it out there. You just can't. So I and then, you know, we get Aang on the um the warship mm-hmm. and you get some really interesting conversations between the two of them. And the line I wrote down uh, that Zuko said that was just like dagger to the heart to Aang beca- uh, was, uh, I suppose you wouldn't know a father's being raised by monks. Um
0: Which does get because, revisited later on in the show.
2: Yeah, it does. But it just, you know. Zuko's father is the most important thing to him. The most important thing.
0: And that uh, actually drives home how important it is to him, right? Like it it gives you yeah. clearly he cares a lot about this. We don't quite know how much he shouldn't yet, but <laughs> but he cares a lot. Um yeah. and that's again it, it that is the thing I love so much about this show is it just everything tells you so much about the characters there's so much that's deliberately there and just speaks volumes constantly um so yeah then uh ang escapes from you know yeah
2: my words are he pones the firebenders
0: yes Uh, there's actually Um, a point where he says i bet i can take you both with my hands tied behind my back and then he does
2: Yes. And the, the questions this left me with, uh, I, I know we don't want to skip ahead too much, but this is just skipping ahead to the next episode, not not too much, is Aang so completely pones the Firebenders. It makes me wonder how the Firebenders su- succeeded against the Air Nation, um, or the Air Nomads, I should say. Because Aang, yes, he is the Avatar, but he is not using his Avatar power here. And sure, maybe he's a prodigy. I'll give him that but
0: he he'd, well the, i don't want to get to that i was going to talk about air scootering, but, but we'll get to that later
2: yeah <laughs> but i mean this was a nation of airbenders you know who taught Aang everything he knows for the most part and I, I just i mean i'm it made me wonder two things as as i was watching this one have the firebenders lost their their prowess because they're because they probably had a study just of how to fight airbenders. And because airbenders haven't been around for 100 years, they completely lost that knowledge. There's
0: that. Uh, um, and this is not... I, I mean, honestly, this isn't really spoiling the show because this doesn't really come into play at all. Um, but part of it is... Uh, and we'll... Well, actually, you know what? We'll keep this comment. We'll go to the next uh, next episode and talk about it there. Um, but, uh, but I, I mean, part of it is probably more of a... you. Check, think about the way that Aang fights them, and he's just completely evasive, non aggressive, and you can only do that so much. Um, so,
2: yeah, the, the, so the keeping on, on this, you know, Aang escaping. Uh, so he defeats every firebender on the ship, which there's a lot of them. Yeah. And then he goes toe to toe with Zuko. Oh, Iroh's like sleeping through the whole thing. Right? Yeah. He's not even around. Um he goes toe to toe with Zuko and, and um this just underscores that Zuko is a warrior. You know, he, it's not just him s Sokka, who is not a bender. Uh he does serious he he fights the avatar well. Right. Um he is not outclassed by Ang. Uh at least not until he goes Avatar State. Uh, because when Aang goes Avatar State, Zuko has no idea what he's dealing with. He can't know.
0: And no uh, one person really can without prepping. I mean...
2: No. And no one can fight him in the Avatar State. I, I mean, we'll see some...
0: Well, we'll we, let's, yeah,
2: let's... But, you know, uh, Zuko, Zuko and Aang, as benders of one uh, element against each other, are evenly matched. And Zuko might even be the superior warrior. Um,
0: I mean, he's certainly and, a superior and, warrior. He just might not be the superior bender.
2: Right, right. That, that's what I meant. Um, it, it's just, uh, you know, the Avatar state is what uh, what got Aang out of this. And, and this is the first Zuko time says, we see him
0: bending something other than air.
2: Yes, so. yes. We see him bend water. And yeah. then, I mean, it's without a doubt at this point he is the Avatar. Right. Um, and then Zuko's final line, you know, about Aang in this... Um, this episode is, I won't underestimate him again. Um, yep. Which isn't always true.
0: <laughs> um, we do, we <laughs> but- do actually, so just to step back a bit, because, you know, <laughs> we we need to move forward. Um, we do see, on lighthearted notes, we do see Appa fly for the first time. Um, yes. We see uh, them figure that out. They're trying to remember what Aang was trying to say to Appa in order to get him to fly. And he finally does to go, ostensibly to go save Aang. Um, and then I love uh,
2: Sokka's line about this is uh, just a guy with a boomerang. I didn't ask for all this line and magic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, we do see Katara try to fight uh, and sort of succeed to do so. Um, clearly, it's more intense than she was man- able to manage earlier. Um, and she was uh, but she still doesn't really have any control. She keeps freezing water and stripes, but she can only do it behind her. So she <laughs> turns herself around and freezes water and it's strip behind her in order to throw people's balance off, which is hilarious. Yep. Um, but, uh, afterwards is a really intense ending to the, to the episode. Um, actually, and uh, the, we're going to get a lot of intense endings to episodes as time goes, but we see Ang, you know, when he talks to Katara and explains, you know, when it's evident that he is the avatar, he says, I didn't, I didn't want to be, you know, Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. It's uh, because it it shows that yeah, it might be cool, but the reason he didn't want to say anything is because he doesn't see it as a blessing. He says sees, sees it as a weight, which does explain his the obviousness with which it is that he's running away from commitment, and he just doesn't want to confront the responsibility of this avatar thing. And now, clearly, it's going to be a big deal. Um, but this is when they also go and,
2: and- I think. This is a huge contrast, uh, not to skip ahead, but I think mm-hmm. it's worth mentioning. Uh, you know, Aang doesn't want to be the Avatar, as opposed to Korra, who we meet is like, I'm the Avatar, deal with it. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that more when we talk about Korra, but it just shows, it, it's a huge contrast. It's who he uh, is
0: as a person. It's not, Yes. Um, he, and, and this is actually, it's driven, driven home here, is like, clearly he's claiming some of it now, because there's no denying that he's the Avatar, uh, and he goes and he says, hey, you know, I need to learn waterbending. We're going to learn waterbending together at the North Pole. And that's intense. Yep. And then he's like, but first, let's do all these other lighthearted things. We're going to do this road trip. And, <laughs> and it just shows, again, he's a 12-year-old lighthearted kid who doesn't want to deal with big things. Um, yeah. And that's that's just that's part of who he is. Um, Which takes us to so, the next episode. The
2: next episode. Which is the Southern which, Air Temple. Okay. <laughs> Before I... So this episode pretty much opens... With the Fire Nation, which is kind of weird because it's entitled The Southern Air Tribe. Um But what's interesting is if it wasn't apparent before, this is the episode that makes it apparent that Zuko is going to be redeemed at some point. F- um,
0: yes, yes, absolutely. Um,
2: I, it, this episode makes it clear that though the Fire Nation is the enemy of our main characters that we know and love, uh, if you... Exclude Zuko from main characters. Which it does I drive home me. that Zuko is um,
0: not—he's not the antagonist of the whole right story. Our he's antagonist
2: has an antagonist, right? <laughs> uh, which, uh, which is uh, what, Commander Zhao? Is that his rank? General?
0: Commander. He's commander. Commander. That, yeah.
2: uh, yes, Commander Zhao. Uh, and the the way this tells me that Zuko is going to be redeemed because you know up to this we're like Zuko 's kind of a likable kid, maybe he 'll be redeemed, maybe he 'll go completely evil i don 't know, uh, but then in this episode, I was like, Wow, I despise Commander well, right. so
0: so let's let 's step back just a minute <laughs> when we 're introduced to this episode, we actually we see zuko 's ship docked for repairs, and it is tiny compared to the other ships, which drives home yes. the whole banishment thing, right. Because um, yes. from our perspective, when we were, all we saw was the Southern Water and tribe and the ship, the ship was a big freaking deal. Yeah. And now it's, it's, it's just, it's a dinky <laughs> little boat compared to the other ones.
2: A dinky broken down
0: boat. <laughs> and then we see, we meet Commander Zhao and Again, we intensely dislike him from the get-go because he is obviously painted that way. Clearly, Zuko is a better person than Zhao, who is a real bad guy, you know? Like, he's right. a bad guy through and through. Um, so, and this is our great. storytelling
2: cue. It's, it's our cue as the viewer that Zuko is going to become good. And from this episode on, I was like, Zuko's going to be a good guy, and I'm just waiting for it to happen. Exactly. And, and this is actually
0: one of my favorite <laughs> things, actually. A lot of the time, people would be like, oh, I saw that coming as if something being predictable makes it not good. And I don't think that's true at all. It's something that this show does a lot is it telegraphs a lot of things that will happen character wise, but that doesn't mean you you know, the execution or how it's going to happen. No. And no, it's and, all and in the execution. It kept
2: me on the edge of my seat, you know? Yeah. It's Cause no-
0: anyone who's paying attention, no, anyone who's paying attention and likes to, likes to analyze the media they're viewing or even does it, you know unconsciously would know right away or pretty soon after this that Zuko is going to come around. Uh you know that's not that's not spoiling anything, but to say how he does it is a whole different thing and now you're anticipating that that growth, you're anticipating that story. Um and they do that by making you you I mean clearly we dislike Zuko, but we're now on the road to disliking him less than someone else. And it's that contrast that gives us the opening to eventually seeing other things that to happen to change our opinions of him.
2: Um, is it okay if we talk about the Zuko half of this episode before we talk about the Aang half of this episode? Uh, uh, totally,
0: yes, absolutely.
2: Instead of going back and forth between the two? Uh, sure. another we thing we, we don't need to be
0: as ep- jarred, jarring, well, we don't need to be as ADD as the episode uh, is. As the episode. As the episode.
2: Uh, another thing this episode tells us about Zuko is, you know, in the first two episodes, we get this intense feeling that he loves and respects and needs the approval of his father, um, which is true. But this is also the episode where Zuko calls his own father a fool. So we see that Zuko and his father don't see eye to eye, even though Zuko wants his approval. Um, And it's just, he's a teenager. (laughs) Right. Uh, And then... Just the way Commander Zhao tries to play Zuko, you you get this feeling that Zuko, you know, we know he was exiled, but now we know he was exiled. You know, Commander Zhao says things like, if you have an ounce of loyalty left, you will tell me what you found. And Zuko doesn't tell him. And you're just like, well, ah, there are weird dynamics in the Fire Nation that you're trying to understand, Mm -hmm. right? And it's like, is Zuko which one of these because we have not met the fire lord and we won't
0: (laughs) and and it it goes and this is a thing that's actually going to go a long time is that clearly the fire nation itself has a warped sense of what loyalty is um yes because he they keep driving home this if you have any loyalty you do this and and then from our perspective we're like wait he's determined to bring home this avatar and he's somehow not loyal that doesn't make any sense at all, right? Like, the Avatar is supposed to be the ultimate enemy of the of the Fire Nation, and he's not loyal, even though he's... Clearly, we can see that he's determined to the point of be, of ridiculousness to do this, right. you know? Right. Um, it's like, if so.
2: Zuko is not loyal, who is? And uh, then his entire crew outs him to Zhao, which is just, like, burn. Mm-hmm. Like, you know... Nobody is on his side except Uncle Iro, and uh, which is basically uh, always true. <laughs> another thing we learned in this episode is, uh, um, Zuko says, "I've been hunting the Avatar for two years," which, if you think about it, means Zuko got exiled at the age of fourteen. Yeah, fourteen. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, it's
0: uh, and again, so talking about revealing about the. The Fire Nation, and there's just this is the thing about this show. Again, so much is revealed constantly. Um, we learned that there's something called an Agni Kai. We're not told what it is, but we, an Agni yeah, Kai is some kind
2: Zuko's, of yeah, we yeah, some kind of fight. That's all we know. It's some and kind of formal that challenge that.
0: that you can't refuse. Yeah.
2: Uh we learned that Zuko got his far his scar from his father, uh, and that.
0: Well, hang on, hang on. So, before that, though, because as Zhao is trying to, as Zuko, you know, we learn what an Agni Kai is, and Zuko and Zhao are butting heads, you know, Zhao actually says, essentially, your father doesn't want you. And, you know, and I think it's something about this being able to prove it. Like, the Agni Kai will prove it. Um, Yeah.
2: Something like that. And I, I, what I... His uncle Iroh says, Prince Zuko, have you forgotten what hap- happened the last time you dueled a master? Right. And Zuko said, I will never forget. Right. And you only see the half of his face. Like, the way the animation goes is it focuses in just on the half of his face with the scar. And I literally got chills. I was like, right. oh my gosh, this um, is intense.
0: <laughs> so again, though, this is all, it's driving home, you know, obviously the, the Fire Nation has a warped sense of what loyalty is. And it's very clear that they are you know this is a a caricature of what how people talk about um old Japanese societies with the the honor uh thing, and that is going mm-hmm. it plays in huge into the fire nation, which again something aside from the different martial arts elements tying to different forms of bending, I really really, really enjoy how they use different nations and different eras as models for the different cultures of the different nations in this world. Um, so clearly this is, you know, this is Imperial Japan, um, with some weird, a warped, a warped take on samurai (laughs) sort of ideals tied in. Um, and uh, that's magic with magic. Right. Um, but that's the fire (laughs) nation specifically because we'll discover other ones later. Um, right. But, uh, Uh, so anyways, so let's, you know, step forward and we actually, we have the, the Agni Kai itself, right? And which, again, we're shown Zuko is really competent. He's not just competent against kids or, you know, because we still don't know how good Aang is compared to other airbenders of various ages. But he wins the Agni Kai against against Zhao. And then we see, again, this warped sense of honor thing where Zhao Zhao, Zhao then attacks Zuko. uh, He attacks his back afterwards. And yet yeah. he's the one who has honor and Zuko doesn't. And this is the thing that really, really, really gets me, though, is how, like, Iroh, up until now, is just super relaxed, except for the one time he kind of yells at Zuko that he's not going to find the Avatar in the first episode. And he just steps in and, like, almost effortlessly stops the attack. Yeah. And just puts puts Zhao in his place. Is like, and, and he chews him out or disses him really. (laughs) I love that. Oh, I
2: love that line. He says, even in exile, my nephew is more honorable than you. (laughs) And then I love later. Zuko says, did you really mean that uncle? And to to me, that line showed to us how important Iroh is to Zuko. Um, And and, I mean, it becomes clearer later that Zuko doesn't even understand how important Iroh is to him. But fundamentally, Iroh is the only thing keeping Zuko together as a person. Right. Like, between him and a mental
0: breakdown. And so, big thing, though, is after this whole thing, I can't remember what he says now, but Iroh still ends it lighthearted. Because he ends everything in a lighthearted manner. You know, he, Because he's, he's like, Yoda,
2: man. <laughs> yeah, Yoda's like, all lighthearted.
0: Here's this intense <laughs> thing that I just said that's really serious. Like, you have no honor, regardless of what you think. And then something lighthearted to just kind of walk it off, you know, Um, which is nice. Um,
2: So we have this whole intense storyline with Zuko and Jow and Iroh. And then we have an equally intense storyline with Aang,
0: right? (laughs) We see a flashback with, um, monk Gyatso, And we see him. He's, you know, I think that's where we come into Aang in this. And he is, this guy is an older monk. Clearly. I mean, he's got the same arrow tattoos that Aang does. And he's friendly, and he's funny, and so he's, he's basically Aang, but older. Uh, which is hilarious to me. Um, and he says something to... He says at one point, um, because he's Aang is exploring, or, you know, he's at, I guess, the Southern Air Temple, and he says that, you know, you will get to the inner sanctuary when ready, and the person inside will guide you. We don't really know the significance of that yet, and he's like, well, what do you mean, a person inside, you know, a sanctuary? But that's... Something that, you know, brings us to the present where Aang goes in and discovers the statues of previous Avatar lives and meets Avatar Roku, which is the previous Avatar.
2: And yeah, this uh, is the episode that explains the Avatar cycle to us. Right. Because up to this point, I was very confused. I was like, I don't understand the Avatar's role in this world. I don't understand how he's reborn. I, I don't understand how that guy in the opening montage who's who, like, looks all old with long hair. Like, how does he relate to Aang? Right. A- and then we get this temple where they show you the cycle of the Avatar and very For, clearly like, countless generations. You, yes, countless. That this is a person who is reborn and cycles through the different nations to keep things, you know, even.
0: And, and there's... It- and there is some aside from the being born, there is right reborn. There there is a connection there. Because in this, when I say he meets him, he he sees the statue and he says it's Avataroku and and he's you know, they ask him how he knows that and is essentially just like I just know it somehow. But, you know, yeah. that's a, there's this there's thing that's not a conscious knowledge. He just he immediately knows that is Avatar Roku. I that's I know his name without having been told his name. Um and you know Clearly, it's his previous life. Um,
2: And and then we see that connection visibly when Aang goes Avatar State later in the episode and all of the statues light up.
0: Well, and that is, he... The thing that triggers... So we've seen Avatar State really, essentially, once before in action. Right. um, Which is the the fight. And we don't know what triggers it. Aang clearly was thrown off by it. And this time, it happens right after he discovers the Fire Nation killed the Air Nomads. um, Which I do think... I think the fact that they are passive and defensive, like clearly, you know, we can tell that they are essentially inspired by Tibetan monks. Um, they're peaceful, and no matter how skilled you are, if you're playing if you're purely defensive and somebody else has been preparing to attack the world, even if they're not as skilled they would they'd still be able to kill you right you know because yeah. that's not the air nomads are not going to go on the offensive they're not going to kill them in response
2: though there are um, clearly a lot of dead fire nation soldiers around uh the body of ang's master uh, so he took many out before
0: he went down it's true and it and and i i did wonder and this is probably something i've not actually heard anybody talk about is i wonder about that because we know they're peaceful and Aang struggles with that constantly and you know and
2: i I think you can be peaceful though and then when you learn that they're there for genocide then it becomes not so much uh we we are killing them it's we have to survive to maintain the balance of the world
0: right and 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 it's essentially that (laughs) It's the justification of self-defense, and if you're a truly good monkey, like, you'll know when the line is to cross, right? And that's, that's what I presume happened, but, you know, right. there's no confirmation for that anywhere, and that's just something that we have to guess between the lines. Um, but anyways, Aang does—he right. goes into Avatar, Avatar State again, triggered by his discovery that the Fire Nation killed the Air Nomads, and this triggers temples everywhere.
2: Temples, yes, in the Fire Nation.
0: Including like- one in the Fire Nation, which— Causes the priest to alert the Fire Lord. Yes. Which is a big deal. Because yes. so far we've barely heard of the Fire Lord. Like, we've heard of him, but we didn't know anything about it. And we still don't see him. We
2: know he's a bad guy.
0: But we know he's a bad guy. <laughs> and that's just a big deal. It's like, oh, now the Fire Lord knows that the Avatar is around.
2: It's not just a 16-year-old chasing you down now.
0: <laughs> it's, well, exactly. And it's no longer a wild goose chase. Because you know they had right. given up on the search a while ago. This was just a, right. a wild goose chase. And now it's It's been like,
2: 100 years.
0: Yeah. So, um, so there's that. And then, um, this is one of my, one of my favorite things at the end of the episode, Katara calms Aang down. And it's the first Mm -hmm. time of that, and not the last time that we see she manages to calm him down. Um, and that is really important. They
2: have a connection. Clearly. Yeah.
0: yeah, These two characters who have really just met, I mean, yeah, they've been traveling a bit because they made it all the way to the Southern Air Temple. There is a serious connection there. And that's significant. Um, so,
2: um, One thing we need to talk about before I talk about my closing feelings about this episode okay. is uh, Momo. Oh, yeah! We, we meet
0: Momo, our second awesome this animal. This is the
2: episode where we get Momo.
0: Our, our, uh, is I it flying lemur monkey?
2: Can I have a flying lemur monkey?
0: <laughs> uh, you do?
2: No, can I have one?
0: Oh, can you have one? Um, I'm sure we can arrange that somehow.
2: <laughs> uh yeah, Momo is adorable and wonderful, but yes. not much more to say there at this point. Uh, so the uh, you know the perf- the ending shot of this episode is Aang uh, looking back at the air temple as they fly away, um, looking sad, and uh, it's a perfect end because it shows he can't go back to his old life; he can only go forward. Um, and-, and this is the start of the Avatar's journey, and this is the episode. That sold me on the show. Up until this point, I was iffy, and I was like, "I mean, it's an interesting show, but I don't get what you're talking about, Michael." Yeah, Uh, you know, I'm like, "It's interesting, but okay." And then I watched this episode, and I was like, "That's it." Like, Mm -hmm. I the next episode could be complete crap, like, and I wouldn't care. I would keep watching. And that's (laughs) the thing that
0: I really try and I I've told numerous people. You, I didn't have to tell, but there are other people I told. Is like, "Hey, watch this show." The first three, four, even six episodes, you might not be convinced, but make it through those six episodes, uh, up through the first six, and then just start the next one, and you should either quit immediately if you don't like the next one, or you'll be sold. But it it, it definitely, the amount of intensity that we've already talked about in these first three episodes, like, there is just so much meat there, along with all the lightheartedness you know, within, there's a lot of stuff to just get stuff on a surface level, but there's just so much meat there and so many characters who are, who clearly have well-defined mental states and what they're, what they're doing without being, like, they're simply, they're very simply and clearly defined without being simple and shallow, you know? Um Yes. And that's, that's they're set up to the point where it's obvious they're going to grow. Rather than us wondering if they're going to grow. And that's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, next episode, the Warriors of Kyoshi. Mm-hmm. We're like, Oh,
2: Kyoshi. Warriors? Well,
0: that's interesting. So, Warriors that aren't Fire Nation and Kyoshi, what is Kyoshi? What so, who, whatever. Uh, a so, a
2: rewatch note, I had failed to realize we meet the Warriors of Kyoshi this early. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, Whoa, this is episode four.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I and mean,.
0: They- And this is very intentional because keep in mind, like this show, like I said, they didn't have much committed on contract and they wanted to show that the world was a bigger world. You know, we've we're rapidly shown the elements of the four nations because Kyoshi, which we will learn, is part of the Earth Nation.
2: Right. The Earth Nation was the only people we hadn't visited at this point. And so they were like, we have to take them. to an earth nation place though kiyoshi of course is an interesting place because it's an island separate from the main continent right um which we which means it's a little bit independent of the wars that everyone else is seeing i one of the first things i wrote down was i guess uh i don't i didn't even say uh, it must be zuko who said this (laughs) He said keeping a level head is the sign of a great leader and my comment was true but you clearly fail Zuko. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz he cannot keep a level head. Um, and I think that's like the only Zuko
3: comment. I actually have that I same have.
0: quote written down so. <laughs> um
2: <laughs> so Aang's storyline, let's, you know, actually their storylines converge in this one at some point, don't they? Um
0: mm-hmm.
2: regardless. Uh so in this episode we basically have Aang trying to impress Katara and Katara having no idea.
0: Well, and also, <laughs> he did mention before, like, you know, all the different things he wants. And that's why they're here, right? Yeah. They're here because he wants to ride the elephant koi.
2: Yeah, and, when, and that's the, especially early on, this is the huge difference between Aang and Katara as characters. Aang just wants to have fun. Katara is the child of a war-torn nation. Her mother is dead. Her father, who knows? knows where her father is at war somewhere. You know, she just wants to save the world and Aang is only going to be able to impress her by doing that. But he doesn't realize that yet. He thinks I can do these, uh, you know, childish things that a 12 year old should normally be impressed with as is shown by the other kids in Kyoshi. Right. Uh, And that will impress her. But Katara is just biding her time, waiting for him to get over this childish, Ooh, have thing. fun! Yeah, uh, and go to the to the water tribe so they can learn to master waterbending so they can save the world!
0: So let's <laughs> let's describe how that looks in this episode, which is, you know, Aang is riding the elephant koi, trying to impress Katara, doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, and then they're ambushed by these female warriors. Um, and, uh, oh, <laughs> as a side note... They're clearly afraid of the unagi and unagi just means eel, which is hilarious to me because like <laughs> okay. every other, ant, you know, it's it, everything is like flying lemur monkey. Um, there's the flying bison and, you know, and the, the elephant koi. And then unagi is like the first really simple, you know, thing. It's just a giant eel and it literally yeah. means eel in Japanese. Um, A
2: giant eel would be scary.
0: Right, but it's not called it's called the unagi, which is just the Japanese word for eel, which I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Um so uh then yeah, we find out that these are these warriors, the female warriors are the warriors of Kiyoshi, which is the city that they're in. And we learn I, that I, Yep, go ahead.
2: I love the statement of you know, the Kiyoshi warriors say there were no men. We ambushed you. And uh you know, Sokka's so- all so- 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 so like well, not because he's complete, He's a little bit sexist at this point. Uh, he's a 15-year-old boy, whatever. Uh, and I love Katara's response, which is, my brother is just an idiot sometimes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and again, that's the thing I love. Their relationship doesn't really change. Like, it changes, but at its core, it's just this constant back and forth of ridiculousness. And I love it. Um, this is uh, So we find out, though, that Kiyoshi, the village, town, city, whatever, it stayed out of the war uh somehow and um this is and then they discover that they have the avatar there and so of course everybody's like oh that's a big deal and the thing that's really funny about this is this is the first time we see screaming foaming at the mouth guy i don't know if you remember him but i love him um no. yeah you see he's he's, <laughs> he's one of the recurring side characters along with one other one that we'll get to later um but he yes. uh, he just screams and foams at the mouth and falls over and then kind of gets up again. Um,
3: but
0: news, news travels fast. There's this montage with news traveling really fast. And then Zuko finds out and takes uh, the rhinos, which yeah. is like they call them rhinos, but clearly they're not just rhinos. Um,
2: I, I wrote down uh, loose lip sink ships. Um, and I was like, next time I have a security training, they should just show this montage from this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because this is why you, you know the avatar is back you just don't go telling everybody <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. um then of course Aang is still being lighthearted and in order to save to help people he's like he does no-handed push-ups by blowing at the ground oh. which was fun um
2: I just, Aang gets a fan club and
0: and it loves it yeah
2: and katara is just going about her business <laughs>
0: um so interestingly enough sokka does um he s- sucks up some of his he learns well he offers to to fight because he was caught by ambush before and kind of puts his you know foot in mouth uh his foot in his mouth and uh so he learns some humility and he asks suki the who is the kiyoshi warrior leader to teach him um and you know ang kind of ang sort of learns his lesson uh meanwhile ang learns his lesson about uh taking things too lighthearted and letting the attention go to his head when he gets in trouble with the Unagi and Katara saves him over there, which is good yeah. because it's, a, we finally get Katara realizing that, you know what, just because he's this airbender guy and just because he's the avatar doesn't mean he knows what's going on. And I kind of need to take charge sometimes. And that's nice. Um, cause that's already like, you know, this is the fourth episode in and he's, she's already growing.
2: Um, Yeah. Also, uh, going back to Suki and uh, Sokka, uh, for some reason, the first time I watched this, I assumed Suki was much older than she was. Uh, And I don't know if it was the face paint. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So when she comes back later, I was a little confused (laughs) because I thought she was supposed to be like 20. Um, So... You know, watching it the second time through and knowing she was younger uh, it was interesting. Uh, and then I love the fights she and Sokka have um, where she falls and says, I fell on purpose to make you feel better. And, you know, it's just a complete cover. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, the, on the second watch, I was like, I see it. I see the, I see the Suki Sokka thing.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I agree. It, it caught me off guard previously, but when I rewatched, I bought it more. Um, yeah, the, uh, so interesting thing is we also, we see a huge advancement in, uh, Katara's bending out of necessity. Um, mm-hmm. because Ang has inhaled a ton of water and is essentially drowning and Katara saves him by bending water out of his lungs. And there's no way she would have been able to do that in the first episode. Um, and it's just kind of, you know, necessity kind of breeds ability sometimes. And that definitely. is uh, and that is definitely something that happens a lot. And it, it feels... real Because at that point, either Aang's going to die or Katara's going to manage this, and she knows it. Um, and yep. that's... A- <laughs> I... yeah.
2: And then, of course, my favorite character intrudes. Zuko! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love one of the things that I, I wrote down, even though we know this, because they met Zuko in the first episode, uh, or the second episode. But, um, I love that they they know the name of the person who's, I know they know the name of their enemy. Like they see the ship and they're like Zuko, <laughs> Yeah. you know, they're not like the fire nation. It, it's, it's Zuko. Oh my gosh. We need to worry about because this.
0: to them. He is the bad guy. He's the face. He of the bad is guy.
2: the fire nation. Yeah. Um, and which is then, great. Cause uh, they haven't
0: come to the, they haven't met Zhang yet. Right. So they haven't seen that right. realization that we have yet.
2: Right. You mean, Zhao?
0: what did I say? Did I say Zhang? Zhang. It's Dang okay. It.
2: We've been saying Aang a lot. So. Different character. <laughs> uh, and then we have this battle where Zuko sets fire to Kiyoshi with no regard for the people there.
3: But um, we, And we
0: also see, though, again, we see repeatedly that when Zuko is given a chance, he is really competent at what he does. Like, the, yeah. the the thought of this guy who is 16 years old and accomplishing some of the things he is, like, ruthlessly, the thought that he would be banished is kind of ridiculous. It's mind-numbing. Because he is
2: freaking amazing. (laughs) He is so competent. And it's like, if you are banishing competent people who are getting stuff done, like, how did the rest of the Fire Nation not know Aang was at Kyoshi Island? (laughs) You know, like... Zuko is getting crap done, and he—it it, it is. It's mind-boggling. But what hurts me about this whole sequence is not so much—Zuko is still—he is very much bad at this point, so it doesn't bother me that he's burning this village. Um, it hurts me from Aang's perspective, because no matter what he says, this is his fault. Um,
0: mm-hmm. And he does see that. that he sees burning. the damage yeah. done in chasing him, and he does eventually make—they run specifically to draw Zuko off. Um, right. But yeah, and he hurts for it, because he knows. But he also knows that he's, you know, they're doing more to leave, or by leaving, they're doing more for the village than they possibly could by staying. Right. Though, and
2: this is the second scenario where Aang endangers an entire village because yeah. of his reckless and unthinking actions.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, but one thing, again, fun scene is before they just leave, Aang does, because you know, it's very possible that the whole, entire village could just have incredibly negative feelings towards him if that's just how things were left but he right. sort of even if it doesn't make up for all the damage he at least does he he rides the unagi the you know the eel thing and uses it as a giant fire hose and at least puts out the fire before as he leaves which is yeah. something because at least they're not desperate you know um they can deal with the damage that's already been done but the yeah. fire itself would have just you know brought the town to the ground um Then uh, the the episode ends, Katara hugs Aang, and he's happy because that's obviously a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Um, Then
2: we move on to episode five.
0: Which is the king of Omashu. And we're like, huh, king. Okay. Um, We don't know what Omashu is, but there is a king.
2: Okay, so after watching this episode, even on the rewatch, I still have no idea how Amashu relates to the rest of the Earth Kingdom. (laughs) Um, I'm just so confused.
0: (laughs) What I get, what I understand, uh, think about... uh, uh, Is Amashu
2: Belgium? I don't know.
0: (laughs) I I mean, what I I get is that it is essentially, it's not the capital, it is its own, you know, it might have even been its own nation at one point and became at least its own city, so it still retained its king, but he's a lesser king, you know? Um, he is not the head of the Earth Nation, but it is a it is a nation city, you know, a, potentially a single city nation, but I mean, for all we know, it could be a state of sorts that has its own king that is a lesser king. And and there are definitely times in, hum, in human history where we have had kings who were other under kings, you know, um, that were kind of came out of one area being conquered by another or joining another peacefully and retaining lesser King status. I mean, they're definitely true in the, you know, the United kingdom of sorts. Um, uh, up there you would have the, the King of, I think, uh, was it Scotland who would be beneath the King of all of Britain? Um, is that how that works or worked or whatever it was? Um, so sure. I'm pretty sure that it's something up there. I apologize for any British, listeners who may or may not ever hear this um (laughs) i should say instead of british anyone from the uk i don't understand your nation's history um histories but uh, i'm pretty sure that at some point the place that we know of as the uk had kings above other kings um so that's definitely a thing that could happen and that's what how i envision this working um but that is a huge digression that has nothing to do with the series itself really um
2: yes this is the episode in which we meet the king of Omashu.
0: <laughs> and we, and we, ring, we meet a real, uh, we see a real earth, villi- uh, earth city instead of just this village that stayed out of the war. Um, and, uh, yes. we do hear that, uh, Aang used to visit his friend Bumi here, um, which for the uninitiated is spelled B-U-M-I, not B-O-O-M-Y. <laughs> um, but <laughs> anyways, uh. <laughs>
2: I so what's interesting for me, you know, talking about predictability and um in the show and it still being interesting, uh, is from the first flashback with I knew Boomy was the king of Omashu.
0: <laughs> like Oh, clearly. It was very obvious. There,
2: there was no doubt. <laughs> it was super
0: obvious. Well, let me show you from the flashback because like, you see the demeanor of the kid and he's clearly the same person.
2: Right. But, but it still makes for an interesting story, right? Because you're like, obviously, Boomy recognizes Aang. Like, and so why is he not telling he him? Not? So, so why is he behaving in this manner, right. right? Like, is he old and senile? Or is this some sort of master plan? Has he been bought off by the Fire Nation? I don't know. And but, keep in mind, you know,
0: it is actually perfectly reasonable for Aang not to be able to tell. Um, because oh, yes. how long has it been for him... Since he last saw Boomy, probably less than a year or so, <laughs> and yet Boomy is a hundred years older.
2: Right, yeah. and I mean, Aang is still obviously in denial about what has happened to right. him, uh, a- as was showed in the episode of him seeing the, his old uh, place, huh. and he's like, you know, surely the Fire Nation didn't kill all the Air Nomads, and it's like, oh, Ang, you poor. So child. also,
3: uh, <laughs> though,
0: um, after this whole debacle. They, the group did realize before going to Amashi that you know what? Maybe we shouldn't trumpet that I'm the air na- uh, the the airbender. Or, oh, yeah, I love it. I'm the Avatar. <laughs> and so, uh, first off, when they're going to the city, this is the first time we meet Cabbage Guy.
1: Oh, my cabbages! Yes, who, who
0: is my it's favorite side character guy. of the whole show?
1: I love
2: that Cabbage Guy goes until cora
0: oh, like, anyway, we'll get to that later don't worry when we talk about cora it just
2: makes me so happy we
0: will talk about that <laughs> reference don't you worry um but uh yeah so ang is a master of disguise um <laughs> so we're told <laughs> he uh, he uh, he puts on is he puts on a show and katara is immediately smooth on the uptake and eng
2: oh i love that because he makes up this crazy last name that you're just like
0: why what? and katara just off the cuff picks it up and says it just as perfectly with the same pronunciation he does and it's hysterical
1: name's bonzu pippin Petal loves the the third and these are my grandkids. Hi, June Pippin Paddle Opsicopolis. Nice to meet you.
0: Uh I, I like I, I basically died both or every time I've seen this show. Um this is great. But anyways, the we can't really spend too much time on each episode. The real significance of this episode is that we see Aang finally meets somebody that he knew before. Um yep. and we're shown what master earth bending looks like.
3: Yes, um, that
2: that's one of the things I wrote down is our little water benders see what real bending looks like.
0: <laughs> we see what real bending looks like, and we see and we see as the audience, we see what earth bending is. So now we've seen all the different types of bending, although water we've seen the least capable. Um uh, but yes. we can immediately see that they all look distinctly different. Like you could sh- you could watch someone do any of these forms of bending without the element going and immediately tell without question which one it is. Um And that's really neat. Just the way how distinctly they define these movements is just really, really neat. Um, We don't really need to get into the rest of the story of this episode. I think that is what is significant here. Um, I agree. So just we'll uh, hop on to the next one, which is uh, Imprisoned.
2: Um, Imprisoned. This is such an interesting episode.
0: It is. It is. um, Because it teaches us a lot about the dynamics of the world. Um, we, yeah. yeah uh, we first off we meet Haru, who is a new character. Um,
2: no, no. Before that, I oh. love the line. I think it's Saka who says it. Is shouldn't we run away from the huge booms, not towards them?
0: Oh yes, that's and again because <laughs> they
2: hear the sound and they're like, let's go figure out what it is. And Saka like, no,
0: <laughs> this is and, not smart, you guys.
2: Yes, <laughs> and this is when we meet. uh However, you say his name, Haro? Haru? Haru, Haru.
0: Haru. So we meet Haru. Um, oh, sorry. And to briefly step back a bit, in the previous episodes, we did also see that the Earth Nation is clearly modeled after China in the way that the Fire Nation is clearly modeled after Japan. Um, although, essentially, from different time periods. But that is yeah. that is how, and, and much more so, Kyoshi, much less so, China. Then uh
2: Well Kyoshi is, is a mix of the t- different nations because right. it's an
0: island. Right. It's a mix of the different nations, but but Omashu is very distinctly China. Um and so anyways, that, that's an aside. We so we get to this episode and we see Haru. Um we see someone who is not a master, earthbending, um, and we discover some of the intricacies here about how the Fire Nation is using a captured earth village. Um they are using them for coal mines because we have seen that the fire nation has these giant boats and so they need fuel for it. And they're using Earthbenders for that. Um, or rather an earth village, at least for coal, because the fire nation might have fire, but you know, fire on its own, you could probably fuel some, but you would probably kill the people who are doing it really quickly. While if you can use the fire to light coal, you can actually use the coal to continually power your ships. Um, and I kind of like how this show, even here, starts to show that, hey, technology is a thing, if even basic, by our terms. Um, and no matter how much bending there is, they're still going to have some sorts of technolog- technological advancements. Because,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's useful. Um.
3: Yeah.
2: I. What I love about this episode, though, is, you know, um, Katara uh, is not willing to accept that people have been beaten down. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, she is wondering why this little town doesn't, you know, she's like, you have to fight. And, uh, then he gets caught, uh, for being, uh, earthbender and it's her fault and she knows it. So then they stage it to look like she's an earthbender and they send her away. Right. To the prison where all the earthbenders are, um, which is a metal prison in the middle of the water. Uh, which the Earthbenders
0: can't do anything about. <laughs> right, they can do nothing. So, they are essentially helpless, and that's why they can't fight back there.
2: Right, um, uh, and then she goes and she tries to inspire them to fight, and she can't.
0: Yeah, they just look at her, and it's it's one of those moments where in a simpler show, her speech would have done something. Yes.
2: And yeah, I thought it was going to. I was like, heck, if this was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that speech would have done something. <laughs> you know? Which is a it's just an intelligent show for teenagers, you know? And I'm like, the fact that in a a show aimed at middle schoolers, that that speech does nothing. It just shows the they're taking the, real, the writers are taking this seriously.
0: It it shows you the real weight and real costs of the story that they're telling. This is We've already seen numerous, you know, we've seen kids with parents killed by the the enemy, killed by the Fire Nation. We've seen now an entire village downtrod to the point of losing their spirit, like not being able, not having the will to fight. They've lost their will. And that's something that generally kids aren't shown because it's kind of depressing. Um,
2: and, and I mean, it it doesn't just show that. It shows that. Sometimes that the reason why people don't fight is because more people get hurt when you do, right? Like this is the choice of the people in this village, right? right? Qatar is like, why aren't you fighting? And Haru gets sent away to jail and she's like, oh, that's why you're not fighting, Uh, you know, because you're going to die. (laughs) Your choices are like jail, death. I mean, these are an oppressed people. And, it, and this episode doesn't gloss over that. And so when she gets to the jail, I mean, these people are not willing to fight with her because they're like, we just want to live and maybe go back and see our families one day if we're super lucky.
0: <laughs> Side note, you just said his name. And as soon as you said it, that was totally correct. It's Haru, not Haru. I don't know why I was saying Haru. So hearing you say that reminded me that that is how his name is. Is
2: uh, i can't pronounce anything if it makes you feel better
0: so. but that is how his name is I, as soon as you said it that sounded exactly right so um
2: <laughs> anyways. i can pronounce jet but we're not there yet so, so. we do <laughs>
0: in this episode we do get um eventually inspiration is brought on um and the really cool thing that gets pointed out and that katara is the one who points it out is that the uh coal is earth and so the, yes. the earthbenders can use the coal on the, on the place that – on this m- metal prison in the middle of water to fight the Fire Nation um, warriors and essentially throw them into water. Um,
2: and I, I feel like this is foreshadowing.
0: It's absolutely um, foreshadowing because uh, – but we'll, we'll get – we're yes, not going to get to that but today. But it's like
2: because they, <laughs> they never thought of bending coal.
0: No, Never because why it just didn't occur to them. And because it's not the earth that they're used to bending when the earth that they're used to bending is so abundant and around them all the time. Why would you think to do this? Um, Yes. uh, So anyway, that, that whole scene is, that's really neat. Um, An interesting thing is Zuko gets Katara's necklace, which is left behind.
3: Yes.
2: Um, And that is a thread that comes back later. This is the point in the show where I became a Zuko Katara shipper. (laughs)
0: I was never one of those. You people were crazy.
2: I I could see why. I I I've read that there were some there. You know, I watched this show all in one sitting, so there wasn't a lot of fandom experience for me because you know I watched all three seasons at the same time. Uh, but apparently, there were a lot of uh, Zuko Katara, Zuko yes. Ang discussions uh back when the show came on and this is the episode where i was like i see it <laughs> and, and let's <laughs> like, <laughs> be
0: real as as we'll see later on in the show there are definitely opportunities where the the show could have gone either way i that's not to say they didn't have it planned to go the way it did but no, no
2: i think it was definitely planned to go the way it did
0: but uh, uh but they definitely dropped details to be like this this was in the realm of possibilities for the characters if things had gone differently um definitely you know it, it was a matter of it made it the way this whole thing goes on, it it very much feels like the character's individual rate of growth is what determined how this went, ra- rather than rather than writers forcing it artificially, you know? Um, right, it which makes p- complete sense. Which to completely makes sense, absolutely. Um, so, let's keep trucking along, because there's lots to cover. Um, yeah. This is the first time I- we get to a two-parter. Um, so episode seven is the winter solstice. It's, it's the spirit world, which is winter solstice part one. Um, and, uh, yeah, I will let you start off this episode because I've started the last few <laughs>
2: Uh, you know, this is our first hint at the spirit world as an episode. Like in the whole in the whole realm <laughs> of Avatar, this is the first time we really talk about the spirit world. Um, I mean, the Southern Air Temple episode kind of gave us uh, a hint, you know, just in talking about the whole Avatar relationship. Um, but this is a case where we come across a town that is being terrorized. By a spirit, and the people in the town, when they discover Aang is the avatar, they're like, Good, you can take care of the spirit. Because the avatar's job is not just, as we learn, to wield all four elements, his job is to be the go between between the physical and the spirit world. And the, the specific term um, that they use
0: a lot is he is the bridge between, yes, you know, the human world and the spirit world. Um, it is the in this, we actually, well, as we're going to get into, um, I guess we, we can jump into the episode because they we're going to talk about this theme some. But uh, one of the basics that were presented w- is that uh, for Aang, this is his first connection to the spirit world that we see. Um, and we see Roku's dragon, um, which yes. we are alerted to is his spirit animal, like Appa the flying bison is angs which indicates to us that the avatar always has a spirit animal which is interesting just a a thing to know you know it's just a fleshes out the world a little bit more it's like okay well the avatar's got all this other weird stuff that happens life th- life upon life and the spirit animal is a thing too apparently um and also dragons be real yo uh,
1: yo yo <laughs> uh, i love me some
2: dragons i yeah, I mean, and this is, uh, Ava- uh, Aang is, you know, Aang brings balance, he does eventually to this village. But he, what happens first is uh, he tries to fight it, fails. Well, he tries to talk to it and fight it, fails, and Sokka gets kidnapped, right? And this is when it becomes personal, right? Uh, his failures, because Aang is continually failing again and again in this show because he's a 12-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. And, but this is the first time that his failure is hurting someone, one of his new friends. Um, and he's like, I've got to go take care of this. And uh, he crosses over completely into the spirit world. Yeah. Which is an interesting uh, – is this the episode with the face stealer? Uh, No. No. Okay, that guy creeps me out. But <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I
0: don't have it in my notes. I feel like I'm pretty sure I remember writing that down. So I don't believe. Um, so.
2: Okay, but he does eventually uh, bring peace to this creature. Uh, and, but what he learns from Roku uh, is dragon. Uh, the vision Roku's dragon gives him is that he needs to go to the Fire Nation temple by the winter solstice which is like in what two three days something ridiculous
3: yeah uh well
0: uh, i think that actually is established in the next episode in winter solstice part 2 which
2: that it's in two to three days
0: yeah that you- like that we find out that it's coming at all um cuz roki tells him that which we're going to drive right back in, into that in a second but one of the brief things that does happen in episode Seven in the spirit world before we jump to the next episode um, is that uh, Iroh again proves his competence is, you know, no matter what he shows, competence is always at the forefront, just like in this conflict of sorts that, that they're dealing with. I, I mean, IRO's just on top of, he knows what's going on. Um, and we find that Zuko actually chooses to go after his uncle instead of chasing what he thinks is the avatar, um, which is a big deal. Um. Yep. So, but that immediately takes us into part 2, which is Avatar Roku is the name of the episode, which up until now we've only seen that Avatar Roku uh, we know he's the previous avatar. Um, but we don't know much about him beyond that. Um so the next episode actually starts at the next day and it really drives home how serialized this show is. It's not episodic. Um it it's very much each episode if you have skipped an episode, you have missed something significant, regardless of yes. what episode it is. Um and it it just kind of drives that home like it yes this is the two, the first two parter, but that does not mean that it's the only time this happens, it's just more intense here. Um but we find that Zuko is sailing into Fire Nation territory um after having been banished. And his, and Uncle Iroh is just he he has a line where he says that, you know, his brother is not the understanding type. And that just, it really hurts because you know he's biting his tongue, essentially. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, Zhao. So, and this is, sorry, all this is happening because Roku's dragon has shown that Aang needs to go to the temple in the Fire Nation. The one that we saw early on, which is really just yes. something that's significant, again, is like, when you see something referenced in an episode is probably going to come into play later uh, or has been referenced before. Uh, and so the specific temple that he's going to is the one that allowed the, the Fire Lord to know that the, that the Avatar is alive. Um, and so they have to enter Fire Nation territory to go to the Crescent Island on which this uh, or Aang has to go there in order to get to this temple so that he can communicate with Roku. Uh, which is what the dragon is telling him, um, and then Commander Zhao, while this is happening, because Zuko is intent on chasing Aang, at this point, um, Zhao willingly fires in Zuko's direction, which again just shows like we still don't know what makes Zuko a traitor, uh, in you know air quotes traitor, but right. we can see clearly that he is determined to to follow the Avatar and jet. Ja- Zao just is, he, he He wants, he would kill Zuko if he could get away with it, clearly. Definitely. And he's looking for any excuse. Which is why he something. lets him in. Right, exactly. He's trying to set him up. Um, yep. So here we meet the Fire Sages, or the Priests of Fire Temple. Sorry, when I say Fire Sage, I think Zelda Ocarina of Time. But, I do too. Um, but we, we meet the what Priests what of the Fire Temple. What's interesting is we
2: meet them, and they're supposed to be they they are supposed to be basically the priests of the of the Fire Nation who should be devoted to the Avatar, but 100 and a hundred years
0: not. is a long time.
2: A <laughs> hundred years is a long time under an oppressive reign, right? Where you have been shown that fire
0: is powerful, and the Avatar is gone. And again, so we find that one of these priests is loyal to the Avatar is what we discover. Yes, and this it kind of shows the reality of of war. You know, I mean, how many people in you know it, And this is a a very, very, very easy parallel to make to this series. You know, how many people in Nazi Germany would try to subvert the regime versus go along with the regime and then think about that regime going for 100 years? You know, Um, I I mean, it's honestly, it's exceptional that there would be one loyal to the Avatar. Um, Now, that said, the Avatar is... Something that has been going on for countless generations and has been embodied in human form and so on. So the loyalty but, that but human
2: was, human memory is short.
0: But human you memory know? is short, and and, and an it's amazing. I mean, go, going
2: back to the World War II parallel, you know, there are men today who were Hitler youth in their childhood who are still not fully deprogrammed. Yeah. And I mean, that to me, that, that is Zuko's story in this narrative, right? He right. is being deprogrammed through the, the course of three seasons. He has spent 16 years of his life being brainwashed mm-hmm. and it's, it is hard to overcome that. And especially when there is no opposition, the avatar is not fighting. The avatar is gone. And I, mean, not anymore, but, but was, um, so it makes complete sense because human memory only remembers recent things. You know, we we barely acknowledge what our parents experienced as real. Right. You know, like, unless you experienced it yourself, it is not real. So yes, someone will tell you stories of this avatar that has been around for, good lord, thousands of generations. There were a lot of statues.
0: <laughs> that said, this also does drive home the reality that no matter how aggressive or Negatively painted or truly negative, a certain regime or group is not everyone internal to it agrees with the right with the aggressors if if their society is them, and that's something to be noted too. If the fire
2: nation proves anything, it's that no nation is cohesive, right? Right? I mean, within the fire nation alone, we have Zuko, we have Commander Zhao. We have Azula, who we haven't even met yet. We have Iroh, who, as far as we know, is a loyal Fire Nation person who just values his nephew above pointless tasks. Uh, You know, we haven't even met villagers yet. These are just army people. This is just the 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 perspective of the military. Right. And so it's like, who knows what the average person thinks and that's something we actually won't see for a long time in this show
0: which is excellent Um, which is a great move i think (laughs) because it
2: it it really is but it, it shows it shows that even in villainy even in the military of the fire nation which should all believe the same thing which is that the fire nation should reign supreme yeah there are varying Beliefs and how to go about this, and the the sages are another example of this. We have a sage who is still loyal to the Avatar, and I'm sure it never even really, you know, who knows what the sage's backstory is. It could be that he was just like, you know, this is the way the world is. This is the Fire Nation. This is my job. I believe in this, in the Avatar, but there is no Avatar, and and then the Avatar came back and changed his world.
0: So. Continuing on this episode, though, like, uh, on top of this, just that depth that this episode shows, this is the first time we really see Sokka being truly, uh, like, adult-level competent, you know? Um, He, they go and they, so they get to this point where some, you have to use firebending on multiple things in order to get into the door, to get into the sanctuary that, that is the equivalent of the inner sanctuary that Aang got into before, uh, in the Southern Air Temple, so that he could speak with Roku, and Sokka is reminded about, essentially, these little, you know, bomb pouches that you could make. Yes. And he's like, hey, well, what if we add these things into these little things? And bam, he says something about, like, instant firebending. And honestly, that's a really, really good idea. Um, that's also... Prop- oh, go ahead.
2: Uh, I mean, it, yeah, uh, this also gives you us our first hint that uh, this world is progressing in such a way that soon technology could overcome bending.
0: Right. That said, in this particular case, the trick fails, but it, that doesn't it mean fails. it was any less a good idea. Um, no. <laughs> but they come up with another trick, which is awesome, and they and they <laughs>
2: the avatar's
3: inside. <laughs> right.
0: Because our favorite flying lemur monkey gets into the uh, gets inside because he can fit inside and shows cast shadows inside so that it looks like they're inside. So the Avatar's inside and they get the they get them to open the door, then try and, you know, try and sneak Aang in. Um, and Aang does indeed get into contact with Roku. Uh, and Roku tells Aang about Sozan's comet. Which um,
2: is the thing that I mean, this is episode eight. And we are now learning about the thing that's going to come at the very last set of episodes in season three. This is what the
0: entire show is driving towards. Right. It, it's a, <laughs> it sets us up. And again, remember how I mentioned those first six episodes were the ones that they knew they were having? Well, here's seven and eight, which finally gets to set up the bigger plot. Um, yep.
3: And they were waiting. <laughs> they
0: were like, well, are we going to be able to do what we want to do or not? And they were given the go ahead. And this is when, Stark gets, like, when when stuff gets real. Um but but it
2: makes sense that we wouldn't know like even if they were being told to hold to introduce this stuff it doesn't feel like they were holding it feels like every episode that came before this was important and necessary Oh absolutely um,
0: because you had to and, we wouldn't care if this was told early right. on or a simpler no. show would tell us early and would be like okay i guess that's a thing but this builds us up this is the time where I, I, you know as we've both been establishing we're learning the world, but we're not learning as out. It's already a real world, and we're not necessarily learning as outsiders. We're just thrust into and having to, we're having to understand the world as it is, rather than being introduced yeah. to all these little things and the way they work. Um, as if we're not told them directly, instead we're shown. So there you go. That's the, it we're is, shown rather it than told. It sold. makes
2: complete sense that you know none of these kids were following. Know about Sozin's comet? Well, uh, in fact,
0: no one knows about Sozin's comet. Well, nearly no one. Um,
2: right. I mean, I don't even think Zuko knows about it.
0: No, I, and so that's so it's a, it's a big deal. Um,
2: so Sozin's comet, as we learn, uh, it comes is by a the end of summer. <laughs> uh, it comes every what hundred or so years, something like that.
0: It's it's precisely hundred years. Um, it says um, that. Uh, it, so it, it comes by the end of summer, and it creates uh, any. It's used to... I don't think we quite learn how it was used before, yet. I think that's no, later. we don't
2: learn about what happened before, but we learn that it will superpower the Fire Nation. Right.
0: So it creates a sense of urgency. Like, the world has to be saved by Summer's End. Uh, otherwise, otherwise the
2: Fire Lord will succeed.
0: He will attack, and... not Because uh, we've learned by now that the Earth Nation is the only real force to oppose that can... that or at least the impression we've get, we're given is that the earth nation is the real opposing force. If the fire nation wins there, it's over. And right. that's we, what we don't know anything
2: do. about the Northern water tribe at this point. Right. All we, we do know about the Southern water tribe. They're, they're barely in existence and the air nomads are gone. Uh, but we do know that you're right, that the earth kingdom is holding out and holding steady. And I mean, that's where we have learned by this point. I think that, Iroh experienced some sort of failure at the Earth Nation's hands. Yes. And that's why he's sort of disgraced And I believe we well.
0: learned that from Zhao at some point. I believe yeah. we
2: do, too, because, of course, Zhao uses everything he can against Zuko he's and He's the type of
0: character who would say something like that. Um, right. So, any, anyways, what this really teaches us is that before, Aang thought he was going to be able to go through and learn all the elements, and now we know he doesn't have time for disciplined mastery of all the elements. And, and Roku says this. He says, yeah— it's essentially like i don't know you don't have the privilege that i did to, yeah. to learn all this stuff like you just got a deal he's like
2: you're gonna have to lean on the fact that you are an avatar and you are me and i know all of these things
0: and so it should come easy to you and but it's this is like, a big deal roku, right is that
2: how it works for you
0: <laughs> well and that's the, the big deal is we know clearly it didn't because roku is you know well we don't know for sure that it didn't but we get the impression that he didn't have to deal with the same thing um no and, but that said, as, as you said, but, and you are me as well, and you have our, my memories and the mem, and I think he, we also do learn at the time that he has the experiences of all previous avatars to, to lean on as well. And this is the first, we see avatar Roku actually get channeled through Aang and kick butt. Um, because oh, man.
2: that was such a beautiful scene.
0: It was, because, yeah. because keep in mind, you know, they had hurriedly gotten Aang into this room, and so his team is stuck outside and hostages. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're hostages. Um, and so that's, it's pretty awesome. And that's how they get out. Um, and they continue on, um, which is great. Uh, so Mandy, as (laughs) you and I have been talking for quite a while now, um, and we have not quite gotten to the half point of, but storyline we've gotten to the half point of this season, uh, if not in sheer number of episodes, uh, we're going to have to turn book one itself of Avatar into an episode and carry on from Somehow there. Somehow the I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not either. I, as soon as we started, I I I realized this was very likely to happen. We have so much meat to cover here. So uh for listeners, that means you're in for a whole lot more of Avatar the Last Airbender than uh than you thought you were. Um so uh we hope you enjoyed this episode and sit tight, tune in for the next episode. Uh thanks for listening and you can follow us as usual at uh, you can follow Mandy at brown underscore Aja at on Twitter. You can follow me at Alhim and you can follow the site at triviallycrucial.com or on Twitter at Triv Crucial. Uh, we will continue this conversation for next time and uh, really enjoy ourselves just as much as we are, because this show is just really fun to reminisce on. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, till next time. Bye, Mandy.
3: Bye.